The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Courtney Reagan in this evening for Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, and Guy Adami. We're also joined by Chris Barone. He's head of technical analysis at Strategis. Tonight on Fast, a big, shiny, bright spot in today's see red why gold could be presenting a golden opportunity for your money. Plus, our chart of the week, Chris Brown says this sector has been immune to recent market weakness. He's going to tell us what it is. And later, we're firing up the grill because there is a big burger battle brewing. Three food stocks that have our traders licking their chops. Nice. Yes, like that? <laughs> Hungry already. So we start with another rough day on Wall Street, though. Stocks falling across the board with the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, handing in their worst day of the month. Treasury yields tumbling. Get this, the 30-year note hitting its lowest level ever. Like ever. Mm. <laughs> and check out some previous high-flying names like Microsoft, Apple, AMD, all pretty deep in the red today. So has the red-hot momentum trade finally hit a giant red brick wall? Guy, is that it? The momentum names, those big tech plays, they're over? I'll play your reindeer game. It's great to have you here, Court. And I, you know what? Yes, I'll say the answer is yes. Ooh. But if you want a line in the sand, I'll give it to you. And it comes in the form of the TLT. You get a close above 150 even in the TLT, which should make 10-year yields, 20-year yields, somewhere around 1.4%, 1.38. Then the game is over. And we mentioned it last night. You can hit a point of diminishing marginal returns where low yields are no longer bullish for equities. And we are right there on the razor's edge away from that. So to answer your question, yes, AMD, big down day on 85 million shares, almost twice normal volume. That, to me, if, at least in the short term, looks like a top. Sounds like my economics class, diminishing marginal like returns. <laughs> I don't know if I could draw the chart. Marginal but I do utility, remember. I believe we refer yeah. to. Yeah, I remember margin- talking about well, look, that. What the, do you think, Tim? The marginal utility of central banks right now continues to be that which I think allows momentum to continue. I, I, I recognize that we have some sad news globally with the coronavirus, and certainly as these numbers become more pronounced, um, this is really what the market is responding to. We've also seen a market that really doesn't seem to care. Uh, if you look at some of the macro that was out overnight, you actually had some encouraging numbers out of U, uh, the EU in terms of PMIs. You've certainly seen somewhat mixed. You've had very good housing numbers this week. The U.S. consumer is certainly in the same place that they were. Central banks are in the same place they were. And if you think about what's been driving momentum, uh, I, I, I could totally agree looking at a lot of charts like NVIDIA and you name them that actually look like they've kind of run into that wall and are now heading back to the other side. But I, I think this is where the market goes after the kind of move that we've had. I, it's hard for me to say momentum is gone, even if as an investor, uh, I think the fundamentals say maybe it should. I'm not sure the central banks are in the same place. If I look around the world and I look at what's going on in Europe, they're at zero rates. They're not going to go any lower. So the, the central bank, I mean, sure, they can print a little bit more money. But, you know, the, the, the margin utility of the extra dollar that they are extra euro, they print is no longer any good. They need fiscal stimulus there. You look at Japan, they've been had zero rates or negative rates for a long time, and they are likely going into a recession. So I think we're at this cusp here where what central banks have been doing is going to start being questioned by investors. Now, that doesn't mean that the U.S. stock market has to fall apart because you could just see this huge flow of capital 
into the U.S., which we're seeing in the TLT, in the bond market. And to me, those are the biggest flows that you see out there. If people decide that, you know what, the coronavirus impact on the economy is temporary, it's only going to last a quarter, and by April everything's going to be okay, then I do think you see people rush back into the entities. But until we have that answer, it's going to be tough sledding. Well, Brian, I think the big question is, do you want to chase the defensive trade at this point? You know, yields held that 142 level this morning. I think that was important. The dollar reversed sharply uh, off the highs. And you look at some of the defensive groups. Utilities are 10% above the 200-day right now. It's about as stretched as they get historically. Staples, despite lower bond yields, have actually not outperformed over the last several weeks. So there are some uh, little flaws in this chase the defensive trade that I think we should be mindful of. The move in the dollar today was a two-standard deviation move. That's a big story. I think the fact that tens hit that 140 level and held it is also a big story. Well, it, you know, it's interesting because you could say the same thing about Apple being 10% above its 200 moving day or 200 week or whichever one you're looking at. But but so both sides of that trade are a little extended. I think it gets back to, look, the tone of the market doesn't change on a dime. Have we been building to this? Maybe. Have we gotten to a place where uh, the momentum that really came from uh, the Fed in the fourth quarter at some point had to run out of gas? Um, but I, as much as I am skeptical about valuations, and I do think that there's uh, diminishing marginal utility coming from central bank action, uh, I don't see central banks stepping back. And I think that's what the markets need. But, but PK, quote, some no. of the market does, and or, or guys, some of the market does see the central bank stepping in here. We're starting to price in this rate cut in it's, June, or maybe even another one by the end of the year. Even though the central bankers and the Fed officials on CNBC today didn't really move the needle towards that, that's what the market thinks. That's what the market thinks, and maybe that's what they think that they want as well. But Chris made an interesting point, and we mentioned Con Edison last night. Obviously, utility had a big, a big move to the downside today. Obviously, the tape was not helpful, but that's a stock that it's been impervious. I don't know what it means, but I don't think it's particularly good. And I don't think anybody's saying this, and I obviously hope it gets better as well as everybody else out there, but bond yields have been falling long before anybody heard of coronavirus. And Chris is going to talk about gold as well. That was rallying long before anybody talked about this. So just keep it in perspective. As much as you want to blame or give some label that it's coronavirus, I think that's been in place long before the coronavirus. But let's also think about what are some different messages than the defensive story. German DAX, export-driven market, new high this week. Shanghai, back to where it was pre-virus. So is the market looking past this and saying, hey, we already took bond yields from 190 to 140. What's the next big move? I think what's going to be really important here, watch the stocks and groups most leveraged to this trade. Watch European luxury retail, very leveraged to that. Watch the shippers, very leveraged to that. They're actually holding up better than you might expect. But I think that's the risk, though, right? I mean, to me, that's what the sell-off that we've had over the last couple of days has been the fact that perhaps the virus, it might be expanding to other countries. We saw in South Korea, we saw it in Iran. And I think the market got a little bit spooked about that. So, again, if, if this goes away and it's a temporary shock, I think the global economy does well, but Europe is in a, probably going into recession. Japan likely going into recession. So the longer this extends, the more risk to the market. All right, so let's talk about being spooked because today's market action did send investors seeking some safety. Safety, we've talked about this a little bit, but gold hitting the highest level in seven years. So if this is just the beginning of a bigger sell-off, is gold the place to be, BK? Is this where you want to stay and hide? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, to, to Guy's point, gold has been moving well before we had this sell-off in the equity market, and that's a response to what you think the re- what's going on around the world. Again, zero rates everywhere. Generally speaking, it costs money to hold on to gold. you got to store it someplace. 
And so if rates are low or at zero, there's better, you know, you have a better return in gold. And if you look at digital gold, Bitcoin, that's done quite well as, as well. So you're seeing macro funds going in there, anticipating that you're going to have much lower rates, which again, I think gold tells you the 10 years probably going below 142. Gold getting precious for you, Guy? It has been for a while, though, Courtney. We've talked about this for quite some time. I mean, Newmont Mine is going from 30 to 50, effectively, in a straight line in a period where mining stocks really haven't done that something like that in a very long time. So I think Newmont Mining has been trying to tell you something. I think the gold market is trying to tell you something. And what I think they're trying to tell you is they're calling the bluff of central banks globally. And that, I don't think, is a particularly good thing for equity markets on the whole. It's interesting. I mean, first of all, you have to put gold in the context. This is not a savior. This is not a a 10 percent position in your portfolio, I don't think. It may be for some people, and those are the picks and shovels folks. Uh, but if you look at, and Guy talks a lot about the GDX, if you look at where we are, somewhere around 30, 3065 on the close today, um, somewhere around 31, 31 and a half, you're not only at essentially two-year highs, you're about to break out through five-year highs, something that's tested multiple times in this rallying gold, as we all have said, has been building over the last two years. Uh, and I was very skeptical on the move in gold up to about 1350, because that's what it had been failing for years. Since we've broken at that, um, I think, why shouldn't the miners do the same thing? especially in a world where gold miners are now being run very differently, like many different mining companies around the world. It's not growth at all costs. These are much better balance sheets than they used to be, and I think that looks interesting. So speaking of that, we want to dig a little bit more into the miners beyond just the precious metal itself. Miners are catching a pretty big bid here. So could this be the golden opportunity for your money, this way to play? So let's go to the charts. Chris, head over to that plasma. Break it down for us. Show us what we should be looking at. You know, I think one of the big stories, and Tim hit on this, is gold strength predates before we knew about this I also think gold has been going up as the dollar has gone up as well. So gold has diverged from the typical relationship we see from USD. I would rather be a buyer of gold than I would dollars here. Uh, Here's gold over the last several years. The big breakout for us came above this 1,400 level late last year. It had been resistance, resistance, resistance for the better part of the last three years. So we're clearly through that. So let's put this in some historical context. There's nothing in front of us. Where can we go? Well, if we take a little step back and just look at gold, really over the last 30 years, you see really two big up moves. You had this big base that we started to form in the late 90s, big rally that followed, peaked at about 1950 in 2011. And then we've had this big base and this rally. Gold trades 1610 today, 1950 is the next major level. I suspect that's ultimately where this uh, is headed. And if you look at what also may catch up here, it's silver. Silver has not broken out yet. I think if you're looking for more beta, this is another way to play it. Starting to base, you start to get gold and silver working together, I think it's very reflective that there's more to go for this precious metal move. Our favorite stock, Guy talks about it as well, Newmont. This is a major breakout. This is a five-year breakout. The stock's been in a base for the better part of the last three years, finally getting up through 40, challenging 45. I think 60 is the target here. You go all the way back to where it was in 2011, traded as high as 75. So there's some major breakouts going on with the gold stocks. Newmont uh, is an example. I suspect silver will get involved here as well. But gold in context of history, look at those 2011 highs near that 1900-1950 level, I think is the longer-term target of where this can go. 
Good stuff. Chris, come on back. I want to toss it around the desk. Guy, what do you think? Newman at 60, does that feel like a level that feels good? And, so and be, off camera, well, Tim be, and I were talking to uh, each other. No, because we, we do this. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I want to tee Sign Guy up. Language. One of one of the, the, the best guests we've had on this show over the time of the 13 years we've been doing this show is one Louise Yamada. And oh, she yeah. says. Um, who says, Guy, I'm teeing you up, please. Well, she says the longer the base or the larger the base, the longer yeah. The in the space. space. Very space. spinal tappy type thing without getting into great detail, Courtney. But to answer your question, I agree 100%. And I'll give you another. To Tim's level in the GDX, here's your line in the sand. You close above 32 in that sucker, and it's off to the races for all these miners. That's, that's your bogey. And it closed today, I think, at 30.65. All right, BK, what do you think of gold? So, and then I want to get your take on silver, too. Yeah, well, I, I, on there yet. So I bought silver today. So okay. I, that, that tells you what I think about it. I think it actually... <laughs> can catch up. And I think the key point is what Chris made. These metals, and gold in particular, have done this with a strong dollar. So imagine if you get any weakness in the dollar, what's going to happen to these things? So you've taken that kind of, you know, strong dollar is bad for gold out of the equation for this trade. And to me, I think, you know, gold higher, silver makes that catch up. And silver is kind of a fun one to trade because it's extremely volatile. Is gold going to go as high as 1950 sure. ultimately, as Chris sure. says? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it breaks out above that. I mean, you know, not tomorrow. But I think very soon. And the other part of this, so I think there's unanimity, uh, great work by Chris. But if you look at other miners and if you look at other, you know, reflation trades, and again, we're not really talking about gold as a reflation trade, but the charts on on a Rio Tinto or a BHP Billiton um, don't look so good. Freeport Mac, uh, look at the steel companies. They're they're all trading on the economic macro kind of malaise that people are fearful of and is where the bond yields are going. So just to be clear, not all miners are created equal. Gold miners who operationally, I, I think, are better than they've used to be, and that's a bottom-up story. We're all talking about that top-down breakout level. Is it possible gold is telling us at some point in the future inflation will be a problem? Remember, gold started to turn in the late 90s, 97, 98, 99, before any of us could even imagine what oil and commodities would do over the next decade. I'm just very curious if gold is telling us that the future is going to look a little bit different than the last number of years. Maybe there is a cost to low bond yields for the last 10 years. I think that's the message from gold here. Got it, Chris. Thanks. Good work on all those charts. Well, coming up, fire up your grills. We've got a triple-decker of burger earnings on deck. Should you sink your teeth into any of these names? Oh, my. What do you think? (laughs) We're serving up some options. And later, shares of Zoom video struggling today. The stock staging a stealth rally this year. How should you play it ahead of its next report? And just a reminder, you can always watch us or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more on Fast Money right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. We're gearing up for a big, juicy burger battle next week. Shake Shack kicks things off on Monday with its earnings. That stock falling today after SunTrust downgraded it to hold from buy. SunTrust cautioning investors that Shack's transition to a single delivery partner could pose some new risks to sales. Then on Wednesday, we'll hear from Wendy's, the fast food joint, hoping strong earnings will add to this year's gains. And we round out the burger bonanza on Thursday with earnings from Beyond Meat. That stock is up 54% this year, but still down almost 40 
50% from its all-time high. That's been quite a ride for that name. So which stock would you bite into ahead of earnings, Tim? Well, I tell you what, you know, if you look at Shaq, it's kind of a mixed story. It's up 25% year-to-date. That was off of a, a pretty painful fourth quarter. And if you think about the fourth quarter guide uh, and where they are, again, the, the headwinds coming from delivery, I think, are pretty well telegraphed. Um, we're down to 3% or 4% uh, comp. And I think, again, the market's expecting that. It's really what they're going to guide on the second half of 2020 um, in terms of restaurant and gross margins uh, around 22, 23%. I think that that would be a relief. I know that in the environment here where you know, restaurant stocks have been proven to be defensive, this is a high multiple one, unlike a McDonald's, but I like Shaq into these numbers. Chris, the Shake Shack has had a funny chart, up 40% in a year, but really most of it yeah. is the last three months if you look at this move. This is a big level here, this kind of high 60, low 70s. If it can absorb the downgrade today, I think bullish development. The best chart among the group, though, is Wendy's. McDonald's chart, fairly good, too. I think those are the two leaders in this space. I'd be reluctant to be a buyer of Shaq here, given the downgrade. Wendy's is the best chart. Wendy's going to coming out with breakfast here mm-hmm. soon. Well, too. I'll tell you, but the way Shaq traded today, I thought was pretty impressive. In a down market with a downgrade, it closed at the highs of the day. So now if I think about it from a risk-reward perspective, I'm more on Tim's side. I want to buy it, right? I've already had the sell-off ahead of earnings. People are concerned about that. Clearly, there's buyers in there scooping it up. So I've got a great risk-reward going into earnings because, you know what, all they have to do is do a little bit better, and I think the sentiment switches. I was just thinking that because they had already warned us about the disruption from going to this single delivery. Right, so, so that's all in there. a little bit better, then exactly. maybe you get this bump up. Got Very low bump. I'm, I'm sort of with Tim and BK. The stock went from 105 to 60. It flushed Did a lot of people. Did you work at the shack? I did we work have footage at, of that? I'm I mean, sure we oh, do have it, gratuitous uh, footing. Uh, anyway, I don't wear the hair net. Did you wear the hairnet? No, I didn't wear the, oh, uh, there it is. There it is. No hairnet. <gasps> look, look at that. Fancy. Oh, wow, fancy. Look at look at that. No, did anyone seriously. eat what he was serving? Of course though? I did. You no, did? no gloves? You cooked All right. You, you, you want to stop? You want, no it was gloves? before the restaurant opened. the stock was down today? The hot dogs, by the way, you split them down the middle, you put cheese in those suckers. Outstanding. Long the stock into earnings, very interesting with a 25% short interest. People have gotten squeezed in these names before. It might happen again on Monday. And thank you for allowing me to work at the Shake Shack. It was a Randy wonderful Giroudi. experience. Yes. Good man. Really Good got man. an inside look. Inside look. Um, okay, but we didn't talk about Beyond Meat at all. Who's got a thought about that one? You know, I think the most compelling thing about the chart is the short interest is 22%. And the stock actually acts pretty well here in spite of that. Uh, is it a big holding? No. Should it be? Probably not. But when you get the situation where the shorts are so concentrated in one name, if one thing goes right, there's a squeeze. So beyond me, I think a candidate for a squeeze here. Does valuation feel right here? Uh, I'd, I'd have to look at where it trades relative to its peer group. But I think the key takeaway is when you look at this group, and I think Tim hit on it, they can actually be defensive in a tough tape. And you saw that from some of these names today. Yeah, I mean, again, in a tough tape, they can be defensive, but ultimately a name like this, if this tape, you know, in a world where we were, you know, wrestling with uh, S&P, you know, 3,300, et cetera, I'd say you get out of the way of these high multiple stocks. And I think you had a chance to see some of that today, even if this one was somewhat defensive. Got it. Well, for more on the burger battle and all the calls of the day, head over to our website, cnbc.com. Here's what else we have coming up on Best. It's Friday, so you know what that means. We're bringing you a chart of the week. We'll take a look at the one name that stood out during a very busy week. And later on Options Action, it was one of the hottest trades this week. Virgin Galactic rocketing to all-time highs ahead of earnings next week. So how do you position yourself before the report? We have some answers. All that and more after the break. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fast Money. Be sure to tune into Squat Box Monday morning for our annual Ask Warren show and sign up for CNBC's Buffett Watch newsletter for a weekly roundup of all things Buffett. Just head to buffettnewsletter.com. Well, it's time for our chart of the week. And since we have a technician on the desk tonight, Chris, this one goes out to you. You say there is one sector that's been immune to the recent market weakness. What is it? It's biotech, and this mm. is the XBI, the mm. biotech ETF, actually one of the best-performing groups since the Iowa caucus three weeks ago. Despite the perceived political risk out there, biotech acts exceptionally well. There's also a lot of short interest here. Fifty million shares on the XBI are short. You start to break this thing above 100. It is a major, major breakout. It's a great chart. It's really been dead money for the better part of the last several years. So we like it here. We like it long. It's been immune to this weakness. Yeah, I think the way that this is traded in a bad market, right, and it's getting to 100, generally when stocks get into the 90s, 100 is that magnet. If you can break it out above that and you get some kind of turnaround in the market here, you get a positive, a bull market here, this thing could break out much higher. Well, and, yeah, it should be noted also the XBI very different than, than the uh, IBB. IBB, excuse me. IBB very heavy at the top with Gilead uh, and, and Biogen, et cetera. This is a very diversified play and has outperformed that one. So yeah. I think you, you, know, you, you, ride that, you ride those balance sheets in biotech land. Biogen's been a monster. I mean, it's set a huge move. It's banging up against levels we haven't seen in many years. Amgen has actually pulled back for you, so I think you'd have an opportunity there as well. And even Gilead is showing signs of life for the first time in a long time. So I'm with Chris on this one. I still like biotech a lot, Gordon. You know, Guy, what's interesting, when this chart started to break out a couple months ago, it did it on huge volume. And then as it consolidated earlier in the year on very low volume. So I think the stock's being accumulated. I think people are buying it. I think there's real money behind it. Uh, And typically when names are being accumulated on big volume, it means good things uh, are ahead. So XBI long. Interesting sector to continue to watch, as you mentioned before, with everything going on politically as well. All right, here we go. It's time for the final trade. This show blew by so fast. It is fun. Courtney, thank you for being here. Uh, McDonald's, thank you for being there for me all my life. And the shock that at least over the last two to three months has started to get that chart back up to this 220 level. I do think you should watch that level, but I think the valuation defensively in this market. We're going to double down on biotech. Uh, XBI, we just talked about it. Get it up through 100. That's a very big breakout. We think it goes higher. A lot of strengths in those precious metals. I still think silver is better than gold at this point. A little bit of a catch-up trade. SLV is the way to play it. Mr. Adami. Courtney, it's great having you here. We asked you in the break, if there was one concert you could go to, what would you go see? Tonight, you're going to the last concert you can ever. Where are you going to see? I said Billy Joel or Elton John. And I respect yeah. that. That's, yeah. a, that's a reasonable answer. Hold on, 70s or 80s, Billy Joel? Mm, 80s. I'm a kid of the 80s, too, though, you know? That's probably that's I play piano growing up, so I respect you know. I, I would rather the '70s like Billy Joel and Elton John. Tenant Healthcare and earnings next week. Big short interest there, Courtney. Very good stuff, guys. Thank you all. That does it for Fast Money for us tonight. But don't go anywhere because Options Action is up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.